Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, I was kind of pitching this to you. Uh, I've been trying to get him on, but obviously, you know, one of the busiest men, and this is the busiest time of the year for him. But hopefully, we can get a once a month sit down with him, and we'll do, you know, the quarter marks. Obviously, we're at the first quarter mark. Now, the reason we call it the quarter mark, obviously enough, guys, uh, one of the hosts of the fantastic uh, Around the NFL podcast, Mr. Mark Sessler. Mark, how is everything going, buddy? Going pretty good. Yeah, I think we talked a couple weeks before the season, and it's been a strange one. Uh, as always, the Browns are probably the least boring team in football, and that's better than what some of the results could have been. Yeah, I mean, as much hype as you get over the summer with hard knocks and all the games being on prime time, um, they've done nothing to disappoint to this part. Uh, you know, obviously, you know uh, whether it's whether it's a tie, whether it's kicker drama, whether it's you know finally getting a win, and the entire you know country got to see it. And then, of course, two last week a game where, and this is something we'd kind of message about it, a little bit about, felt really good, but it just felt like one of those, well, we're going to see if something really weird happens here. And it most certainly did, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was sitting there, you know, here at the office at work watching that game. And, and thankfully, I, I wasn't attached to having to do any sort of writing because I don't even know how you would describe what happened. And I was really just sort of out of body, out of mind, trying to, like, decipher a Browns game where they've scored 42 points and somehow lost. I mean, you have to go back to those Butch Davis or earlier Romeo Cornell games where the Browns would occasionally get tangled with the Bengals and all sort of sense would be thrown out the window and they had these high-scoring affairs. But, I mean, it's been so long since you watched a Browns team put up more than 17 to 20 points in a game. And it, it was just a truly unique, uh, I thought, hopeful game from that offensive angle just because it starts with the quarterback play. It starts with so many young pieces around Baker Mayfield. So, I yeah, it was really weird to, to watch that game melt into a loss um, with plenty of questions around the defense. But I went you know, later that night, I was sitting around thinking, there's something different about this team and what, what they're going to be going forward. Uh, you most certainly did. And I think uh, you know, a lot of it, like you said, is the way, you know, obviously with Baker's first start, you know, uh, getting the first, you know, glimpse of Nick Chubb can probably be a pretty, pretty damn good running back in this league. And I pray to God, maybe we can get him closer to the 10-touch mark this week. Um, but we will start, obviously. Uh, you know, it looks like number six is going to be the solution here to a lot of better days. And you just notice so much. I mean, it started right away, you know, with one minute and 28 seconds to go in the first half against the Jets. And it carried over into Sunday. Um, you know, you... As much as the player as he is, you got the sense that everybody else, every other one of the 52, everybody's in. Everybody has no doubts now that they're not going to have to look around for the next decade. This quarterback's here, and he's pretty much set in stone. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 now more evident than ever what happened during that draft process, where I'm sure inside the building there were uh, a lot of people who just looked at Sam Darnold and said, why would you ever pass on someone that looks the part that has always been the part that, that really is also someone who, who's viewed to be completely unflappable from the neck up? And all those, thing, all those things probably are true of Sam Darnold to some degree. Uh, but then it was Mayfield who you started to hear the reports. They were just winning him over. I thought that there were obviously people in there that needed to be convinced of the player, but then also the person came in and changed everything. And I, that's, the, to me... That, that's the thing that makes me as encouraged is even the fact that the on-field play, what you saw in the preseason that looked good, that it carries over to the regular season, the same traits. Uh, he's a perfect quarterback for Cleveland in the sense that 
The physical side is someone that's always had to overcome uh, the doubters. He obviously plays that underdog role. I don't think he plays it up, but it's a big part. It's imbued him in, with who he is. I think, he, I think that's a huge reason why Baker Mayfield is the way he is. But even for me, watching NFL Network after that Jets game, as he's like cutting cake and comfortably discussing like the running style of Carlos Hyde, I thought this guy is just a little bit different than any sort of quarterback they've had in the building. And for most of the lifetime of many Browns fans, if not if you were born after the heyday of Bernie Kosar, a different type of dude. And it's, it's so long overdue, but he's such a good match for the Browns that I really I think it's a reason for incredible encouragement. If you're a young Browns fan, hang on. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, anybody, you know, now who even maybe dropped, you know, tried to, you know, drop the Manziel, you just see how polar opposite it is. I mean, you know, I think everyone just equates the fact that maybe, you know, Baker Mayfield had that one bad night in Arkansas with his buddies. And, but you see he's 100% about ball. And it just, I mean, even within the preseason, I mean, even just with the few reps he got, I mean, right head to the sidelines, let's go, let's go, let's go. The offense is working at such a much quicker pace. Um, I do hope they've gotten to his receivers' heads and said, look, guys, we're playing at a different speed here now. Um, you know, because, look, obviously, you know, Callaway with the slipping on the interception, batting the ball in the head, the drops. These guys got to be ready. The ball's coming quicker. He processes faster. He's so much better at the line of scrimmage. And for a rookie, it's just amazing because he has such an idea what he wants to do. You know, the ball's getting in and out of his hands within two and a half seconds. So everybody in there is going to have to learn to play on a quicker pace. And I did have one NFL guy... Uh, send me a message, and he said, you know what, it may have been low-key genius that the Browns didn't start Baker Mayfield week one. Just one more little, you know, just in case, and, you know, Baker Mayfield, obviously this is everything. Every time he's been doubted, every time he didn't get exactly where he wanted to be, it just turned him on more and more. So, you know, who knows, maybe uh, you know, maybe that was the case, you know, when they stuck with the plan. But, you know, obviously I'm glad it got to the accelerated path it did here, albeit, you know, nobody wanted to see Tyrod Taylor get injured. Um, the offense itself, um, I think we saw, we got a much better idea what this offense can be here against Oakland. Um, I, I do want to say Desmond Harrison. Here was a guy that I did not like the idea of just accelerating an undrafted free agent who didn't get much experience uh, in the preseason. But you know, week in, week out, he's steadily improving. His pass blocking is, is really coming on. He's obviously got the length. So the offense on the whole, I mean, with the running backs, everyone's done, kind of done a part. We still need to see a little bit more. Duke Johnson uh, need, you know, Antonio Callaway to continue to shake off the rust. I did like the fact that he had a rough day, was able to come in and contribute with a huge, huge play later after making a couple of mistakes. But all in all here on this offense, we really got to see. It's, it's really fun. And I think once six got in there, we were able to totally see what these guys are capable of. Yeah, you made a great point earlier about the, the drops and that the quarterback switch. Uh, probably contributing to some of that. I think also it's an offense that if you've been tracking this team, suddenly you have all these parts popping up who show so much promise, but they're all playing together for the first, if not, you know, some of it tracks back to last season, but for the most part, it's this team still in its fourth, fifth game together. And I think that's why you don't get too worried about some of the stuff that's happening in terms of getting used to the change of velocity and delivery from Baker Mayfield. I think guys like, Landry and the rest of them, uh, you know, someone young like Callaway, they're going to figure that out. Um, I think David Njoku is the kind of guy from a physical specimen standpoint, looks like he could dominate any defense, but you're still waiting for that to happen. Mayfield is a much better quarterback to have in there for him than Tyrod Taylor. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be promising for them. The line, I, I think even just more from a fan emotional standpoint, it would have been great to watch Joe Thomas play one season, uh, if not more, but one season with this offense and to enjoy, I think, what would have been 
um, a different, a much different result for him. And I, I think the one thing with your Baker Mayfield, you have to tell the receivers too. We are, I mean, you wouldn't verbalize this. I think everyone knows it, but they are they are saddled with one of the worst special teams units in the entire NFL. It's not just the missed field goals. It's field position. I just think that they, they that it's the one part of the team that it's easy to just ignore, but it has really put them in bad position at times. And they've got to overcome the elements of a team that still is learning to win. This is not – anything can happen in the AFC, but I still look at the Browns as having a, like a severe – uh, dabble of weak points and the special teams to me it is absolutely one without if they had had that short up going into the season this is a three and one team right now if not better but the reality is they have to learn to win these games and overcome their own weaknesses baker is the perfect quarterback for that because i think kind of he doesn't care he says we're going to find a way to win one way or another we have the weaknesses we know about it but it to me it's got to bleed up to the coaching staff beyond todd haley too i just want to see where this coaching staff is uh, by the end of the year, um, a lot of encouraging signs. But at the same time, you know, you want to see these young players continue to develop and not see the same mistakes week after week. Yeah, I do agree there. And the special teams, it's almost gotten to the point where you can't even talk about it. That's how awful it is. Right. And, you know, a lot of people today will, you know, the special teams coach was no good. Yes, but you got to realize, you know, nobody is going to, nobody was jumping into this job. It's not, it's not like there was an opening on a, you know, everyone, you know, any assistant coach knows, well, the head coach might not be there. The whole entire staff might not be there. So, you know, this is at best maybe a one-year gig. So, I mean, you basically just have to almost find a guy who's going to willing to take the job, which is what they did. And, you know, and when you do have a bunch of youth, and, I mean, this team, I mean, almost 90% of it, you're talking 25 or younger, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, in college didn't have to play special teams. It's, you know, it wasn't really required of them because they were stars, they were better players. And now you have guys who are kind of unfamiliar to do it. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb, I mean, you know, the one obviously, you know, uh, the one where he missed the block on the punt, it was like, well, <laughs> Nick Chubb really shouldn't be on the punt team. Nick Chubb should be your starting running back. But you're just trying to figure out and piece it all together right now. So, I mean, it's tough from two angles that you have a really young roster who with, you know, you don't they, they don't have the luxury to go out and f- find the six, seven-year guy in the NFL whose majority of his career has been playing special teams. They're still trying to fill the, their best 53. They don't have time to go out and, and specifically shop for one guy to do a specific role on special teams. So it's tough with right. that part of it. Uh, guys, obviously, you know, we have Mark Sessler on here. So, guys, make sure you always check out the Around the NFL podcast. Fantastic show. The guys do a great job. Obviously, you know, t- took it, uh, took the show abroad this year. Uh, you know, a huge, huge uh, drawing for them over there. You know, I know some of the guys. Every you guys know my buddy Paul Brown does his show. They they were they were excited as heck to have it all over there, and it was a fantastic draw for everybody out over there. So, go ahead, check out the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, defensive side of the ball, and this is something we kind of knew. Obviously, with this defensive line, but you know, with Larry Ogunjobi now becoming a force as a pass rusher as well, and the fact that him and Miles kind of feed off each other, and then you throw in a Jannard Avery and Emmanuel Ogba slowly, slowly getting healthy. You know, a lot of people want to give him a hard time, and I keep telling you guys, there's a difference between being on the football field and being 100% healthy. He still, you know, obviously had the ankle injury, but he was also coming off the, the surgery for the broken. I mean, so there's a lot going on there. But this D-line mark just every week, week in, week out, they do some things that really make your eyes pop. But we do kind of have to sneak in a little rotation here because they're playing way too many snaps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch you guys like Miles Garrett out on the field play after play, uh, you know, with the entire offense having to deal with him. At the same time, yeah, I mean, it, 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 he's playing – every single snap but this is the result also of when you get a couple positive drafts 
versus looking back at their drafts from even mm-hmm. three, four, five years ago, where not, most of those players, none of them are on the Browns, most of them not even active in the NFL. This is what it feels like for people who support a team that is competent, you know, unified drafting system that says this is the kind of player we're looking for this defense. And it's not switching a coordinator every, you know, one year, two years where you're suddenly putting people into the wrong scheme, the wrong out of position, and you get, you know, 60% of these guys versus 100%, and then they go and sign somewhere else. Why wouldn't they? This, to me, feels like a lot of players in the right position for the first time in, a, in a many, many eons for the Cleveland Browns and Ogan Joby. I mean, it's, I, love, I love the competition between him and Garrett, where all he hears about Miles Garrett, I think that's driving him to say, listen, it is time to start to mention me on these game telecasts, and it's impossible not to because of the, the disruption he brings. And the, I think you know, the other thing, that, that Mitchell, Terrence Mitchell injury is, is a big mm-hmm. reason, I think, that the, the back half of that Oakland game occurred the way it did. Um, I mean, this is a defense for all. It's promised to gave up, what, 565 yards last week. And I thought towards, towards overtime and into overtime, it was, it was rough to watch because they're just being marched down the field on by an offense that really is not one of the better, better NFL offenses. So that's something that, you know, along with just assuming that you're going to be, a, you know, a growth, a, like a, a defense that grows, you've got to go get in those situations and find a way. You found out our offense is going to, score 42 points for us well the game looked like it was put in put out of hand a number of times and that Oakland just kept slipping back in and it it was just one of those weird ones but that's that's a black mark on the defense they can't that for all the turnovers they have you can't have that kind of performance because this this season and in general next and the one after it's going to come down to one or two or three games decide whether they truly make progress or blow the whole thing up yeah, and the, you know the secondary. It, it was kind of it was obvious from the get go. Uh, you know, I think Denzel Ward's already kind of get a reputation for himself, and Derek Carr didn't look much that way. I mean, they kind of just were running train on any other cornerback. Uh, you know, John Gruden was you know he had Greg Williams's number. Uh, you know, uh, Cook is never uh, a matchup you want to have Joe Schobert on. But again and again, they kept ending up in it. Um, it, it is part of the issue I do believe with the coverage is, and maybe where it got masked sometimes so far in this season is is when the D-line is eating and totally taking control, maybe it's covering up the black mark that is the secondary. But we're going to need, you know, we're going to need somebody else to step up here. here. Obviously, EJ Gaines is going to be the next guy up. Uh, you know, obviously brought up another cornerback off the practice squad. I mean, if these younger guys between him, Thomas, and Rice are going to be here, you might as well give all of them a shot. Because, um, I mean, they couldn't, nobody else can do any worse than what these other cornerbacks were doing on Sunday. Yeah, just use them all. And, I mean, it's, I think typically when you look at snap count, I mean, most of these guys, going to get it in, in key situations and it's really just sort of you don't want to see these like third and longs getting converted over and over but the way that they the Raiders like with no timeouts you know trying to score the winning touchdown and they fly down the field on a 50 plus yard drive and then just rein in the two-point conversion it's like there were so many opportunities to end that game decisively and we didn't even get into the Carlos Hyde spot thing I think that to me it's about as murky as it gets but it's just, it just maybe it felt like one of those games, you know, from a less analysis-based standpoint where the football, football gods are just, like, not happening. Like, Oakland will get its first win here. And, like, watching that thing a second time is just, it's an unbelievable experience because the, the storyline changed about 57 times in the final 30 minutes of play. Yeah, I mean, I, me, everything's set up because, you know, we always go we always go to record directly after it's over and sitting there for the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and, oh, my God, oh, my God. Or overtime. 
Heather, oh, no. how do you sum this thing up, you know? Yep. I mean, the range of emotions in about a 25, and then I looked down when I finally started to hit record, I was like, that was four hours of my life. And it was like, and it felt <laughs> like it was about 14, uh, and just crazy. And look, in the spot thing, look, you know, I, I agree with everybody, and I told them, I do agree with everybody, I agree with everybody. I think it was crap, whatever, this, that, and the other thing. But you should have never been there. 42, 28, that should have been it. You should have found a way to wrap it up sooner. If you give an NFL team enough chances to get stay in the game, they're going to stay in the game. Yep. 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 I agree, and they, and I think that's a huge takeaway for them. That like, and, and Baker owned it. I mean, the, the turnovers are not all. So many quarterback turnovers have so many other things happening around him. But there's there's a way for him to you know to, to not have that happen again. I think ball protection, like in terms of some of the hits he took, that's you know. The, He's not playing, I think, behind a great line when it comes into some of these situations where he's got people coming up on his blind side and hitting him hard. And it's just you. He, the one thing he's got going for him is this incredible quick re- release where he seems, in the same way you can you can watch some other of the better quarterbacks. A little bit with Patrick Mahomes on Monday night, where you can see the pressure coming from behind you. Typically, that's a, a trade of Baker Mayfield and one that will serve him well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about it, and and I think if anything, no. it's only going to help him. Because, look, I mean, he's going to realize, wow, we had a lot of success. And the way Baker Mayfield carries himself is, yeah, we scored 42 and lost. But you want to know what? I'm sort of responsible each way for four turnovers. So you know the way he's wired, and you can just see it now. And it's going to just serve as motivation for harder work and to play even cleaner. Because maybe he understands, look, we, we don't have the opportunity here right now to make very many mistakes. So, you know, let's make it easy. You know, just make sure we take care of the ball because it's going to make it a little easier on all three phases of the game. But, Mark, I know you got to run. You're a busy, busy man. I do appreciate you uh, taking the time here for us once again, Mark. Absolutely, and say hi to my, my boy, Paul Brown. I had a great time meeting with him uh, in London. And uh, it was it was really it was a pleasure to do that and find out, also just being in London in general, that there are not just Brown fans, fans of every team that are absolute diehards. And I think it would almost shock any American to go over there and see how much they love the NFL. And it's a little bit of a different experience than walking into a, you know, a dive bar in the States or something. And everyone thinks they know everything about football. It's like these guys really want to learn. And I know Paul is doing a lot of work over there too. So shout out to him. And uh, thanks for having me on. Always fun. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Uh, guys, uh, this has been Locked On Browns, uh, our quarter mark episode. We're going to try to get with Mark Sessler here once a month. Uh, guys, we'll have, uh, you know, this will be a bonus episode. We'll have another one for you tomorrow night, getting you all ready, you know, the pregame tailgate for Sunday's action. But until we talk then, let's go Browns, LGB on the LOB.